killing me. What's up, good? Home is the mission. Weird. It's always something. No. It's not that. It's so weird. I can see it, but I can't hear it. Let's just turn it down in case it is fucking playing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this is G Money. Wustein's out on assignment. Um, maybe Super Bowl related, maybe not. He said he had some uh, lawyer and stuff to do, so I get that. Anyway, well, everybody today, <laughs> after you listen to the last one or not, or maybe you didn't listen to the last one, but we talked a lot about um, <laughs> the uh, was it the a the uh, AVAs AVNs. No, AVAs, the Adult Video Awards, yeah, um, and the uh, <laughs> all that weird stuff in Vegas, and um, we're going to try to do some more um, stuff like out in the field, like do some field pieces and shit and bring them in, which would be pretty cool. I'm going to try to go to more of those, um, what you might call it, like conferences or, um, well, you know, whatever, festivals, shit like that, put it on our show, you know. So we can show the city what the fu- or the world what the fuck the city really doing, because the city always kind of gets weirdly re- represented, like in um in everything in art and music and literature. Every like before I moved here, I thought that the city was basically just um, hippies and shit, and that couldn't be further from the truth. You know what people don't tell you is that like this place was originally. Yeah, sorry. This place was an army joint for a long time for a lot of people. And uh, at the same time, <laughs> we're just switching mics, fuck it. And at the same time, like, that's kind of how they made their bones was like through military contracts and stuff like that, you know, because people don't think that this place was a, uh, you know, it was like a fucking military outpost for a long time before it was anything else. So. Anyway, I don't know what the fuck this guy is. Oh, yeah, well, I was just saying, like, well, I want to show, like, a different side of the town, not just the, like, the, well, I'm sure we'll probably go to, like, the Folsom Street Fair and shit like that, but I want to go to, like, some of these other weird ones, and we're still talking about it, so it'll be a minute, but, um, in fact, that's kind of what I was hoping we would uh, talk about today, but since we're not, and we're not, I'm going to do one of my favorite things and continue with <laughs> Dick Powell in the Richard Diamond Private Detective Series. I figured this is kind of apropos of uh, the times we're living in, of course, right? Uh, which everything always is anyway. But this one especially, I figured I'd play the episode, The Man Who Hated Women <laughs> by um, Richard by Richard Diamond, <laughs> the Richard Diamond CBS uh, radio show. So here we go. One of these days, I'm gonna walk around here and kick. Oh, before we do, fuck that. Hold up. Two weird things I heard the other day. One, and this is just awesome. Some Girl Scout was finally somebody like made the connection like between Girl Scout cookies and selling Girl Scout cookies, like as far as pot's concerned. So this Girl Scout sold like three hundred bucks in like six hours, sitting outside of a fucking like not outside per se of a dispensary, but 
down the like off of their property and shit and that's just amazing because who in the fuck but stoners would go out and buy like six hundred dollars worth of fucking girl scout get some girl scout cookies with girl scout cookies is like what her instagram post is and it's really cute and then there was one more thing oh yeah oh fuck yeah in ohio (laughs) a second city has been found that this weird group like I hate when we pay these, like, that private uh, public partnership bullshit, right? In New Miami, Ohio, this fucking place called Opto Traffic, like, made a deal with the fucking city to supply its automatic speed cams free of charge for, for 40% of the, um, uh, what you call it, traffic fines. Every t- Like, every time someone, uh, all right. Okay, it's a 35-mile-an-hour stretch of Highway 127, which is horseshit. That just means you're running through this town at, like, 2,200 people. But then, uh, if they hit 46, so if they go 11 miles over, that company, uh, well, everybody got a bill for $95. It was a money spinner worth with more than 1,000 tickets issued in the first week alone. So that's, what, $95,000? But, like, here's the rub. The people in the city were like, fuck you, man. Just like another Ohio town did, I think, last year or something. And um, the town, so the town people sued the fucking city like, man, this is crazy. But here's the weird part. They didn't like, the instead of the city being smart and being like, hey, you know what? This is fucked up, right? We'll just increase the speed limit to, say, 45 miles an hour, which isn't safe in, a like, a small town. But nobody's, come on. I used to live in a town of 300 people in Vandalia, Michigan. There's nobody fucking, you would be, it would be so weird to see somebody actually hit by a car out there. But anyway, uh, ba 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 yeah, so, like, all the motherfuckers were mad. <laughs> oh, here's the rub, right? These motherfuckers, like, the the town council went and spent, okay, 600 grand on a new sanitation project. And then it put, like, then it put, like, uh, what is it? $210,000 on new vehicles, including two new Dodge Chargers and a Dodge Ram for the local fucking, like, uh, city fucking people. And, like, two other vehicles. And the city and the council treasurer and the clerk doubled their salaries. Huh. How did that happen? But here's the thing. They didn't, like, reduce the fucking speed cameras. No, no, no. They went straight to the... The people just went straight to the Constitution. And part of it was, like, spousal abuse because they were saying that, like, say your car is registered under your name, but your wife's driving it and she speeds. You now have to go to the court and turn in your wife because which is a weird argument but here's the funny part they won <laughs> the judge was like yeah yeah you know you're right so they sued the fucking council for all the money they made off the cameras three million dollars now remember this is a town of fucking 2200 people and they're suing themselves basically for three million dollars by the way half of those fines weren't paid because like either the cop didn't show up to court or whatever but so I'm my question is where the fuck did the money go? Like, did they still have to pay Opto Track or whatever the fuck to, to see? You know what I mean? Like, who wins? Nobody's winning in this thing. So, um, so yeah, so like, <laughs> so the so the city obviously spent all their money on cars and shit. We're like, hey man, we ain't got the money. So they fucking argued sovereign immunity, and then. If, 
the last three years spending like more than like a hundred thousand dollars on this fucking case okay <laughs> an Ohio appeals court handed down uh, somehow translated that no doubt a big fellow a big bellow of laughter yeah yeah he was like yeah no you got to hand over the money there's you're not a sovereign state you fuck so yeah so five years since this fucking started four years since it's been racking up fucking fees and uh it's the council says it doesn't have money and has to fucking it needs 10 years to pay the money back and you know the locals want their money now so but it's so weird right so like at the end of the day they're just suing themselves over fucking money that they got ripped off from from some weird private corporation decided that this is a great idea that you can make so much money like I, that it's one of those things that just makes me go like what the fuck is wrong with people like it by judgment on people just skew so high and low sometimes like yeah man people are really cool to sometimes man people are maybe the worst things walking you know <laughs> like how like or not even humans i think it's like our idea and it's so shitty but like our idea of like how money works you know like the power like the fucking pimp hand it has over like most of humanity that's fucked up like we've like weirdly like condemned slavery sort of not sex slaves but you know just plain old-fashioned whipped slaves like but at the end of the day if like if you just take the long view it's like aren't this kind of the same thing right like no no one's beating you but they sort of are just psychologically because it wears down on your psyche as to like how to treat other human beings right that's got to be some sort of form of abuse right like if you did that to a woman in a relationship i'm fairly sure you could like climb that into a fucking crawl space of like spousal abuse you know in the weirdo attic it's so weird anyway but you know it's not surprising that's the, that's the sad part is like how unsurprising like people being shitty <laughs> to each other could be like because like th that there's no way you look at that thing when they hand that to you it like if you're the mayor and you're like legit and give a shit about the people of your town that you go fuck yeah th this will work but you know is it, is it like a symptom of like draining the states of money with like neoliberal can you know fucking policy over the last f better part of 40 years now you know it's like you know what i mean like is that isn't that abuse like making someone so desperate that they'll go to something they know is bad for them just to escape the fucking like crushing thumb of some other jerk off AKA like their husband or the spouse or whatever the fuck you want to call it. You know what I mean? Their partner. So weird. Yeah, it's not weird. Like I said, nothing, no, there's nothing weird about it. That's <laughs> it. But it just seemed all of it. It just seems so anti-human, right? And why the fuck would humans do things that are anti-human? It just seems like, like, so uh, just fucking weird. Like it just, you know, it. It's like it's like that old what they say, cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, it's like why would you do that? Because <laughs> there's no way that dude looked at that thing and was like, oh yeah, because in the long run this will be great. Because he spent money on cars and shit. Like he's <laughs> obviously 
what must have went down was like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to spend this on infrastructure shit. And then like either in the middle of that, they were just pulling to like, you know, oh, well, while we're doing this, we're going to need a truck for this. So we might as well get a new truck, that type of thing. And just sort of skimming off the top. Or were they just like, they spent the money and then they were like, well, shit, we're still getting money. Let's buy some trucks. <laughs> you know? You know, and then what? Then what was next? What were you going to do next? Build a new city hall? There's For what? You know, <laughs> but you could have like, in, you know, there's a million things you could have done. Like not just infrastructure. You probably could have done like their uh, water and sewer and or, uh, electricity. And if they need to be hooked up to the cable system or whatever the fuck, you know, it's like, or I mean, not the cable system, but like, yeah, well, Internet, stuff like that. But I highly doubt that town of 22 was getting fucking 5G speeds or whatever the fuck. So, anyway, stop cursing. It's early. It's early. All right. Anyway, so I figured this would be kind of apropos. It's, uh, like I said, it's called the Richard Diamond starring Dick Powell, private detective, the man who hated women. <laughs> Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there. This is Diamond. Hey, what about this heat? I can think of a lot of times I've been uncomfortable, but this runs itself right up to the top of my list. But the only thing good I can say about it, get your laundry dry in a hurry. I usually wash a few things out in my office because the soap's free. Come to think of it, I was scrubbing a pile of things the day we had that big wind. 97 degrees in New York and we get a tornado to cool us off. I had so much dust in my office, I could have supplied mud pies to the whole neighborhood. And after it was all over, the cigarette ad on Broadway was blowing smoke rings through the trap door of one of my scattered longies. The waves in Long Island Sound were so rough friend of mine capsized, and when he came up, he found three terrified herring hiding in his nose. Oh, it was swell. One minute, it was so hot you couldn't move, and the next, a 58-mile-an-hour wind was doing the moving for you. Then, to top it off, I got mixed up in one of the grisliest cases I'd ever worked on. It all started one evening. The car was moving down a lonely road, two people in it. In a couple of minutes, one of them would be pretty dead. What are you stopping for? <laughs> what are you doing? Let me go. Get your hands off me. No, help. Please, please. Ah! Hey, Ed. Huh? Stop the car a second. What for? Thought I saw something lying back there in the room. So what? Probably a dead dog. No, no, no. Hold it. Too big to be a dog. Oh, for Pete's sake. Back it up about 20 yards. <sighs> that, 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 that's good. Okay, where is it? Right over there. Yeah. Hey, come on. Hey. 
Oh, holy cow. Yeah. She dead? She's wrecked. I think I'm going to be sick. Me too. Uh, uh, let's get to a phone call the cops. Knit one, pearl one. Knit one, pearl one. Ah, there, you little fiend. Now, what does it say about the heel? Mm-hmm. Turn the heel. Hmm. Oh, I dropped a stitch. Now I gotta go back and pick it up again. Yeah. Rick, what's the matter? Oh, Miss Asher? You and your bright ideas. What did I do? You did plenty. I'm a nervous wreck. What from? You remember you said I ought to take up something to keep me busy in the office? Yes. You remember you mentioned knitting? Oh, no. Oh, yes. I've dropped more stitches than a cross-eyed surgeon. You idiot. I was only fooling. Well, I wasn't. I did it up right. Book of directions, enough yarn to wrap up King Tut and all, all his handmaidens, <laughs> and two of the finest bone needles and gimbals. Now, don't laugh. I was making Francis a pair of screaming argyles. Now keep with it, strong heart. You'll win out. Yeah, you darn right. Oh, what I said. Darn. Get it? Helen, are you still there? Yes, Rick. Wasn't funny? No, Rick. Okay, come on over. Let's neck. Yes, Rick. Shame on you. Yes, Rick. Is that all you can say? I love you. And I'll see you about eight. Oh. You don't sound very happy. Well, that's such a long way off. I'll give you time to make plans. Bye. Bye. Now, let's see. I got to take out one, two, three, five rows. Yeah, what is it? Rick? Oh, oh, how are you, Walt? Very unhappy. You should see me. I got to take out five whole rows just to pick up one lousy stitch. What? No, oh, forget it. What are you unhappy about? I'll tell you about it when you get down here. The 5th Precinct's 20 blocks. Can't you give it to me over the pipe? I wouldn't ask you if it wasn't important. And I'd rather not say anything over the phone. Okay, okay. Stop making like Porsche face in life. I'll be down as soon as I finish this heel. Heel? Yes. If you must know, I've taken up knitting. Coming from you, I am unmoved. I don't care if you're building Sergeant Otis a fur-lined money belt. Get down here as fast as you can. All right, Walt. But you'll be sorry when it starts getting cold again, and I won't knit you a sweater to cover your little old blue stomach. Oh. Bye, Walt. Getting Walt's goat was a sport with me, and whether he'd admit it or not, he got a kick out of it, too. Sometimes I wouldn't stay on the rib as long as I usually do, but that was only because Walt always starts sounding just a little bit worried. Then I know it's time to lay off and get serious. Don't misunderstand me. I never lay off entirely, and I never get completely serious. Those are two habits that don't help find the solution any quicker. They just fit you with a mess of ulcers and you still end up too worried and too serious. I closed my office and headed for Walt's precinct. When I walked in, I spotted Sergeant Otis leaning back in his chair with his number 12s resting on the desk. Hello, Otis. Well, how's the big private detective today? Just fine, Otis. And how is the flash of the 5th precinct? Uh, don't you worry about me, Diamond. I'll get along. Better go on in and see the lieutenant. He wants to see you. <laughs> hey, what's it about, Diamond? You need someone to help you from the police force? You know, Sergeant, you've got a fine head on your shoulders. <laughs> well, I'm glad you noticed. The one under your arm isn't so bad either. Uh... Hello, Walt. Rick, why don't you leave that poor guy alone? After you leave, he comes running in here and cries all over my desk. Otis? Ah, 
He wouldn't shed a tear if he was standing in an onion warehouse watching his grandmother set fire to herself. Yeah, well, give him a rest for a while. I got a big problem I want to talk to you about. All right, Walt. What's on your mind? Well, I don't know quite how to give it to you. It isn't strictly kosher for the police force to go around asking for help. Now, wait a minute. I don't want any apology routine. If you want a favor, you came to the right boy, and you know that goes without saying. Yeah, I guess I do. But this is a pretty big favor, Rick. The, uh... Commissioner's on my back. So is everyone else that's got anything to do with this city's government. Sounds rough. What did they do? Find out you were hiding a chimpanzee in a cop's uniform and calling him Sergeant Otis? Oh, now be serious for a second, Rex. Sure, if you'll get to the point. All right. I guess you've been reading about these homicides you've been having for the past three weeks. Yeah, pretty messy. Well, the powers that be say, solve them or turn in my badge. Oh, well, now wait a minute. Don't they know that this is the toughest kind of a killing? The killer's obviously got a lot of screws loose, and a maniac doesn't need a motive to kill. Don't those swivel chair bigwigs know that a crime without motive is the toughest job in the world to crack? Sure, sure, they know all that, but the public and the press is yelling its head off, so the pressure is on. Well, what do you want me for? You've got one of the best departments in the state. When you were on the force, it was the best department in the state. Now you stop that. Then stop twisting my arm. What do you want? I want help. I've got to crack this case by next week or I'm out of my ear. You're the best detective we had on the force, and you're the best private gumshoe in the city. Oh, well, that's better. Now, what about these killings? Each time they find some dame looking like the last of a hamburger sale... Oh, excuse me a minute, Rick. Yeah? Lieutenant? No, Jack the Ripper. What do you want, mallet head? Uh, We just got a report from a guy out in the river road. Another one of them butcher killings. What? Yeah, some dame all hacked up and lying beside the road. Okay, get the car out. I'll meet you downstairs. Oh, did you hear that, Rick? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, come on. You want me along? Of course. I can brief you about the whole setup on the way over. I don't know whether it's such a good idea to get mixed up in this. Why not? Well, it looks like whoever gets close to this killer doesn't have much of a future. Well, you can't live forever. Oh, aren't you the sweet one? No, that's not what's worrying me. What is, then? When I go out, I want a nice, comfortable place to lie down in. The way this nut goes to work with a knife, I might end up in a freezer. All right, all right, everybody's back. Go on through, Lieutenant. Show him your biceps, Otis. Ah, uh, How did all these people get out here? This is ten miles from anything. Uh, someone must have heard me call the police. Uh, when I left the phone booth, the whole crowd followed me out here. Who are you? Uh, my name's Ed Cody. Me and my friend here found a body. Where is it? Right over here, Walt. Oh, how does it look? The way you thought it would. Oh, Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Yeah, here's your bicarb. Now you see what I'm up against, Rick. Pardon me. This is the third killing like this in three weeks. Oh, I don't feel too good. Let's walk over this way. Yeah. Cody, you and your friend come along. We want to ask some questions. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, whoever the guy is that's pulling these murders is a complete lunatic. Are they all like that, Walt? You should have seen the last one. How'd, uh, how'd you guys happen to spot the body? Oh, well... I saw it first, and I told Ed here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were just driving along when Max spotted something lying beside the road. I backed her up, and we got out. I saw what it was. I left Mac here and went back to town to call you. What's your full name, Mac? McCarthy. John McCarthy. Okay. Now, what are you doing, Rick? Uh, looking at the road. Hey, uh, 
That your car up there, Cody? It's Max. I was just driving. You went ahead how far? Oh, I'd say about 20 yards. Then we backed up and left the car where you see it now. You won't find much even if the road is soft. Their car and any other car would have blocked out the killer's tracks. Uh, maybe he didn't use a car. Maybe he walked her out this way and then killed her. No, this place is 10 miles from anything. He drove, all right. And this crowd has ruined any footprints for sure. Oh, here come the boys. Come on, Rick. As soon as they start examining things, we can get back to the station. Yeah, I'm going to go through the whole file on the last two killings. You won't find much. Well, a change of reading never hurts anyone. I'm getting tired of reading those dime novels. Too bloody. Well, that's the whole mess. No leads at all, huh? Not a one. I'm getting nearsighted from looking at all the lineup. We've picked up everything from drunks to safecrackers. Not a lead. Same type of crime in every case. Hmm. This killer's got a crazy streak as wide as Broadway. Oh, wait until the commissioner hears about this one. Walt. Yeah? Give me a pencil. Now, tic-tac-toe is out. I got a headache. Stop waving your gills and give me a pencil. Here. What are you doing with that map? Drawing circles. Now, you stop that. That's a scale of this city, and I don't want it loused up by your doodling. Look at that. So you make a dandy circle. Thanks. What's it for? How should I know? You drew it. Drew what? The circle. Wasn't that a little foolish? Of course it was. That's what I'm yelling about. Well, that's bad for you. What is? Yelling. I know it. I thought you said you didn't know. Know what? About the circle I just drew. What circle? The one on the map. That's what I was yelling about. Why? You didn't draw it. I know I didn't. You did. What for? How should I know? You're a policeman. What in blazes has that got to do with it? You were a rookie, weren't you? Of course I was. You worked your way up to sergeant and then to head of the homicide, didn't you? You know very good and well I did. Wasn't it a little tough? You bet it was. I found the beat for four long years. Did it by the sweat of my bro... Now, wait a minute. How did we get into this? You asked me about this circle I drew. I did? Yes, Walt. But you didn't know what it was for. Oh, yeah. What is it for? It's for you. I get... Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, I knew it, I knew it. You lowlife, you conniving, dirty, underhanded louse. You always do this to me. I think you sit around nights and pull the wings off of flies. Moths. All right, moths. Sit around and dream up little monstrosities to pull on the police force and use me as a... a, a, a guinea pig. A, right, guinea pig. You call me, Lieutenant? No, get out of here, you idiot. Yeah, Lieutenant. Diamond, for once I'm going to find out what's at the end of this merry-go-round. I want to know about that circle. And I'm going to get it out of you if I have to shove that map down your throat. Huh? This happens to be the commissioner, Oh, uh, not you, Commissioner. Are you on the Yes, Commissioner. I'm the Yes, Commissioner. Well, I just went out and looked at the body. Yes, but, 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 your motor's running. You shut up. Oh, no, Commissioner. Somebody else. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, who was it? I am not talking to you. Don't you want to know about the circle? No. Fine. When I was looking over the reports on the killings, I noticed something. You don't say. Say what? Okay, if you don't want to play, be a sorehead all your life. Well, I noticed that all of the killings, including the one we looked at this afternoon, were within at least ten miles of each other. And the first one... This one, this one right here, was exactly in the other direction from the last one. Bully for you. No, it's nothing. Well, using the first and last homicide for the edge of the circle, we find that the other killing 
also fall within the sphere. Okay, so what? Mm-hmm. Getting interested? No, I'm not. Well, the girl this afternoon had been dead for about 14 hours, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but the coroner can come closer. Well, about anyway. Now, in the other two cases, it says that both girls met their deaths about 3 in the morning. Now, if the last one was dead 14 hours, she comes close to that time, too. Okay, okay, what does that prove? Not a thing, but it's something to go on. This is a wild one, Walt. But let's say that our killer started off with his victim somewhere within that circle. To drive five miles, half the distance of the circle, it would take him, oh, about... Uh, Fifteen minutes. Okay, 15 minutes. Now, that means he left his starting point around 2.45. Now, that's a funny hour to be so consistent. You're right. Bars close at two. Forty-five minutes to talk a dame into a ride. Hmm? Might be. Oh, I'll be done. I may be all wet. The killer probably started from somewhere outside the circle, but we can start by eliminating the idea of the night spots anyway. Yeah, Lieutenant? Checking all the night spots from... Uh, 45th Street and Broadway, the center of the circle. From 45th Street and Broadway for 10 miles in every direction. Yeah, Lieutenant. That means cafes, bars, bowling alleys, anything that stays open till 2 or after, and step on it. I hope we're right. So do I. I don't like walking on eggs. Then sit down. Who knows? You might hatch something. Walt found out the name of the last victim, and the family supplied us with a picture. Her name was Martha Kirk, and her family knew nothing of her whereabouts the night of the murder. You can't really appreciate a police department until you really see them in action. Inside of two hours, Walt had every dive, bar, and night spot in the ten-mile circle tagged. They spread out, one man to every five blocks, each with a picture of the three murdered girls. Because it had been my idea, Walt wanted me to swim with it and maybe sink. I took a little section from 48th Street to 46th Street, and by late afternoon, I'd covered most of the likely prospects. You guessed it. The bottom of the barrel was coming up fast, and it was emptier than a ballpark during a thunderstorm. No one had ever seen the three victims. The last spot on the list was a bowling alley. I walked in and spotted the cocktail lounge. When I climbed up on one of the stools, a bartender with a head that should have been out on the alleys walked up to me. Yeah, what'll it be? Uh, how about a glass of milk? Glass of milk? Do you can stand it? Well, if you're worried, water it a little. I don't want to pass out on you. Eh, uh, get him. He made it funny. So did your family. You're looking for trouble? Only if I get pushed. I'm looking for information. Place door on the left. Yeah. Ever seen any of these girls before? What are you, cop? Let's say I'm nosy and that I've got a badge to keep me in the spirit of the thing. Oh, why'd you say so? Uh, uh, let me see him. All right, here's the first one. Uh, no, 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 I ain't never seen her. How about this one? Uh-uh. And this one? Nope. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, sure, I know this one. Comes in here about twice a week. Was in last night. Gets lushed up cries about how tough a family is on her knees. Uh... Uh, Kirk? Yeah. Uh, Martha. Uh, Martha Kirk. Nice looker. She was. Huh? Uh, did she ever come in with a man? No, but uh, sometimes she leaves with one. Same guy every time? No. Do you remember her leaving with a man last... Uh, yeah, yeah. Come to think of it, she did. What time? No, about 2.15. Uh, we stopped serving the two right on the dot. That we do. That you do. Yeah, okay. Think you'd know the guy if you saw him again? Oh, sure. He comes in a couple times a week, too. Uh... I seen him pick up a couple of strays. <laughs> I guess you call him a wolf. Yeah, with a hatchet. Huh? No, oh, forget it. Where's your phone? Uh, right over there. Hey, here, use a slug. It's on the house, officer. 
Thanks. Hope nothing's happened to Martha. She was a rotten drunk. What a wonderful kid. She was, huh? Sergeant Otis. Otis, let me speak to the lieutenant, and if you crack just once, I'll come over there and shove your head so far down you'll have to untie your shoelaces to cough. Okay, okay, Diamond. You don't have to get nasty. Lieutenant Levinson. You can forget about retiring, Walt. You got something? Yeah, looks like. What did your boys turn up? Nothing yet. What is it, Rick? Don't play games now. Get over to 47th and 9th, the bowling alley in the middle of the block. I'm in the bar. Want me to bring the boys? No, no. This is one we've got to play quietly. I don't want to scare our ghoul off. I'll be right down. Hey, what about that milk? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, coming up. Uh, hey, uh, is there going to be a pinch? Uh, there is, Buster. There certainly is. Walt romped in about a half hour later, and he talked to the bartender. He finally looked satisfied. He had to because it was the only lead that had turned up. We told the bartender to tip us if the guy showed again, and we sat on to wait. Maybe my rabbit's foot started thinking it was back with the quartet because around 1 a.m. it started kicking. The bartender gave us a nod just as a big guy wandered in and sat down at the bar. He weighed in at about 2.20 and his clothes were sloppy. He ordered a drink and started eyeing a cute little number sitting at the other end of the bar. Let's take him. Hold it off. He's making a pitch. What? The dame at the end of the bar. So he's making a pitch. What do you want to do? Wait around till he takes her out of here? Maybe you'd like to help him sharpen his axe. Look, you haul him in now, you'll have to beat it out of him. You want him to pick the dame up? Well, is that against the law? Arrest me. Now, you stop clowning. You'd rather catch him with the goods, wouldn't you? Yeah, but... Now, don't start that again. You butted the commissioner to death. Just relax, and maybe you can pick up a few pointers. Our big boy moved all right. Right up to the seat next to the cute little girl. She was under full sail, didn't seem to mind it at all. He landed at 1.15. At 1.30, he'd established a firm beachhead, and by 2 o'clock, there was a flag raising. Okay, he scored. Now, joint's closer. Now, they're leaving. I'm going to tail him. How? He's probably got a car. And if he gets away with that girl, he may kill her. Look, Walt, I promise you, he won't get into that car unless I go, too. Now, come on. We'll both stick close to him until I can think of something. We followed the man and the girl outside and walked a few yards behind making like we had a little load on. They headed for a big parking lot, and that's when I got the idea. The parking attendant was just walking up to him when I stumbled forward. Hey, boy. Rick, what are you doing? Stay with me, Walt. Yeah? Uh, son, I want my car. Hey, just a minute. I was here first. Sure, honey. Don't let him get away with uh, it. Oh, old man, my, my friend here is late getting home. He's got a wife that's ten feet tall. You mind if I get my car first? Ah, <laughs> uh, go ahead. Some nerve. Relax, honey. They're gonna take a little drive, huh? Yeah. Okay, let's see your ticket. Well, I'll go there someplace. Come on, we'll walk up. I know where the car is. Okay, but you gotta have a ticket. Rick, what's going on? Keep walking. Hey, I thought you was loaded. Keep going. We're the police. Huh? That's right. Oh. What's wrong? Which one is that guy's car? You mean the guy back there with the dame? Yeah. Uh, give me his ticket. Oh, right over there, the coop. Rick, come on. I'm going to climb in that trunk, and you're going to put in a general alarm, Walt. Then you're going to get in your car and tail us. But stay far enough behind so that he doesn't spot something. Okay, but... Crazy. Is the trunk open? Yeah. 
Now get going. Well, they'll see me coming back. Tell them you forgot something in the bowling alley and that I passed out my car. All right. Uh, and son. Yeah. Don't let on that anything had happened. We think that man is a killer. Oh. I squeezed into the trunk and waited. About two minutes later, the lovebird showed up and got in the front seat. We rode like that for about 15 minutes, and it wasn't bad until we hit the dirt road. Then my inside started bouncing around like a pound of rice in a wind tunnel. We drove for about 10 minutes more and came to a stop. I raised the trunk just enough, just enough to get some fresh air and listen. I didn't want to climb out because they'd feel the movement up in front. I was sure they could hear my breathing. <laughs> what are we stopping for? Well, I, uh... uh, -uh. <laughs> I, uh, just wanted to look at the pretty scenery. Now, how can you? Too dark. Uh -huh. <laughs> I can see you, baby. You're nice. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. They went on like that for another half hour, and I started thinking I'd picked the wrong guy. Then the conversation changed. What's the matter? That's so funny. Don't you know? No, and I don't like the way you're acting. Women. That's what's funny. They're all the same. Huh? Just like my wife. She was like all the other women. Hey, let's get out of here. You're talking funny. Funny? Yeah. See a man and you like him. Any man. You're all alike. Now you stop that. I just came along Come because... here. No, you let me go. You ain't no different. Come here. No! Let me get out of the car. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want no blood stains on the seat anyway. Run! Go on, run. I'll catch you. Then tore it right down the middle. I rolled out and didn't forget to take my 38 around. I spotted him in the moonlight, moving after her like a big animal. He was laughing. I could see something in his hand. It was a knife. She tripped and fell, and he moved in. He gave me goosebumps bigger than grapefruit. When he was nearly on top of her, I closed in. Okay, hold it! Help! Help! You shut up! Drop the knife! I'll kill him! I'll kill her like a man! Just take it easy. Take it easy. It's all over. I'm so glad you got here. Come on, now. Let's, let's get back to the car. Easy. You sure you're all right, dear? You know something? No, what? I think that man was crazy. <laughs> Walt finally got there, and we sent the girl home. The wagon came and cleaned up things. I found out later that Walt was blessed by the commissioner, and I got an assist. I needed calming down, so I stopped off at 975 Park Avenue, 
the home of the best remedy for bruised nerves I knew of. Oh, good evening, sir. Good evening, Francis. Is Miss Asher in? Yes, sir. She's in the study, knitting. Knitting? Knitting. Thank you, Francis. One, curl, two. Next one, curl, two. That's like taking stupid pills. Rick. Hello, baby. Oh, look what I've gotten into. I'm a nervous wreck. Oh, that'll teach you. What are you building? Well, it was going to be a surprise for you. Oh, a whole suit. Oh, <laughs> Ricky. Yes? I need relaxing. You need relaxing. Oh, swell. Ricky. I know just a thing. No, come over here. There's an old spinning wheel in the parlor. Spinning dreams of a long, long ago. Ricky! What's the matter, dear? What about this? Cruising down the river on a Sunday afternoon. Ricky. With one you love. The sun above, waiting for the moon. Ricky. The old accordion playing. Ricky. A sentimental tune. Rick! Oh, honey, what's the matter? You can sing later. Oh. Please. What is it, really, baby? Come here. something? What? I may never sing again. Okay. You have just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Bill Conrad, Lorreen Tuttle, Jack Crucian, and Sidney Miller. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Dick Powell will next be seen in the motion picture Mrs. Mike, based on the best-selling novel Mrs. Mike. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. About the most strenuous effort I might give out during a working year is maybe chasing some thug up the escalator at Bloomingdale's department store. But last week, I really outdid myself. The all-stars of the police force challenged the private detectives to a baseball game the benefit of the vice squad. 
and I wound up stiffer than a pair of starched overalls. Because the private detectives are quick to take advantage of the slightest opportunity, by the eighth inning, we realized the need for some immediate strategy. The score at that point was six to four, the cops leading. So I got a hold of a little <laughs> I apologize for being a complete shithead. Holy shit. <clears throat> That's what happens when you play the game of Zelda too much. <laughs> I swear to God, I was listening to it, and then, like, all of a sudden, I was like, no. I, I, I just stopped. And I started playing fucking Link uh, with uh, Breath of the Wild. You can hear it in the background. <laughs> and, uh,. I fucked up. So now I'm like sitting here just scrambling. Anyway, who cares? I was thinking about this fucking guy. I was, we have this beautiful big window in our um, studio here. <clears throat> and it's just in a pretty part of town and everything like that. And <laughs> I, I forget I have these little pet peeves sometimes because <clears throat> they normally don't bug me too much. But there's one that just gets under my ass every fucking time I see somebody do it. It, it, like, and I think it's because I sort of constructed larger than it really is, but I honestly think it's just sort of a perfect little, like, snapshot into people, right? <laughs> In their basic inconsiderateness. I cannot stand when people spit on the sidewalk. Like, it's so gross. And it's... <laughs> I don't get why people do it. I don't know. Like, I sometimes I see, like, old people just, okay, all right, all right, you're old. You don't want to fucking walk over the way over there to the street or to where a tree is growing or to anywhere but in the middle of where everybody walks, man. It's like the most inconsiderate shit. Just because you don't give a shit about it, like, right? Just because you don't mind coming home with spit all over the bottom of your shoe and tracking it into your house doesn't mean that everybody else doesn't mind it either you know it's so crazy to me it makes me so mad when i see somebody do that like you might as well just say fuck you and fuck the street and fuck everybody who's trying to keep everything kind of orderly or anything it's just like kiss off it's the worst like ugh like ugh (laughs) like oh god people just like what 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 the fuck is wrong with people why would you ever ever do that shit. Like, ugh, people just are so gross.
Broadcast stations and standard stations throughout the West invite you to Let George Do It. The hearse was painted pink. Another adventure of George Valentine. Personal notice. Danger's my stock and trade. If you're up a blind alley and nobody can help you, give yourself another chance and call on me, George Valentine. Write full details. Dear Mr. Valentine, how much do you charge for making a play for a beautiful dame? There's more to it than that. I may add the lady is dynamite. I may also add that the money is going to be okay. Also this. If everything works out, you'll be helping a lot of people out of that blind alley you mentioned in your ad. If you happen to be interested, let's do it. Happen to be interested, let's talk it over. I'm in room 918, Hotel Somerset. The name is yours truly, J.C. Collins. <laughs> oh, Brooksy's never going to forgive herself for being late this morning. Uh, what? Oh, who is this? Me, Angel. What goes with you this morning? Oh, it's you, George. Oh, shucks, you guessed. Mm, I guess I overslept. But we were out so late last night on the Macmillan job. Well, just stay right where you are, Angel. I just wanted you to know where I was going to be. Oh, just having a chat with one J.C. Collins at the Hotel Somerset. Yeah, it seems we have a very distasteful assignment, Brooksy. I have to go out and make love to a beautiful dame, it says here. George, I'm on my way down to the office right What's now. What's more, it says here she's dynamite. I'm getting into something right now, George. You won't take it. <laughs> Hold it, Brooksy. Take it easy. Let me see what this is all about, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Did you hear that, Raymond? This guy thinks there's actual a J.C. Collins. Uh, that was the general impression we tried to create in that letter, Ernie. Sit down, sit, Valentine. Hey, now, look, I'm not a country cousin who just got in yesterday. Yeah. I don't work for guys like you, Gorman. That's what you think. As far as anyone's concerned, you'll just be working for J.C. Collins. Or oh, be smart. As far as I'm concerned, I'd be working for a grade-A rat. Huh? And, Raymond, that's never smart. Don't get a Valentine. You're not going nowhere. Ah, I know I can take your word for that, Gorman. So I'll just listen. Yeah, well, I'll give it to you straight. There's another guy in this town. I mean, the town's not big enough for both of us, and consequently... Uh, uh, well? Words. I got no use for words. Tell him what I mean, Raymond. Well, it's really very simple. As you know, Mr. Gorman owns a lot of property, including this hotel. He also has a great many business interests. <laughs> yeah, don't I? Yeah, I know. Some narrow-minded people call them rackets. Let's not be irrelevant. Anyway, it seems another businessman, Frank Granby by name, aspires to supplant Mr. Gorman in his various enterprises. Granby? I thought he was mistaken for a clay pigeon the other night. Oh, that was no mistake. But it was embarrassingly bad marksmanship. Frank was wounded, but he got away, and now he's hiding somewhere. And he must be smoked out. Yeah, and fair. Look, fellas, I know confession is good for the soul, but why pick on me? How did you know I won't leave here and reiterate some of these little intimacies? Well, what do you say, Raymond? Well, not to oversimplify, Mr. Valentine doesn't want to play ball. Tell him what I mean. What Ernie means is, yeah? you can help us smoke out Granby. Bernie's very basic in his thinking about these things, but uh, I believe he's got something. Uh, not to be precocious, I gather this has something to do with the beautiful dame who's also dynamite. Lila Parker sings at the glass hat. 
Yeah, Granby is nuts about her. If he thought she was playing around, he'd... He'd... Well, he'd... Go on and tell him what I mean, Raymond. All oh, the luxuries of life. Someone to translate your English for you. What? Uh, he's just being sarcastic, Ernie. But you're right about the dame, Valentine. Personally, I'd envy you this job if I didn't know Granby cares more for her than he does for his own life. You're going to make a play for her, Valentine. More than that, she's going to... Uh, she... Uh, Raymond... More than that, you've got to make her like it. Sorry, boys, no deal. You've got no choice. Raymond, call that number. Right, Owen. Maybe Valentine will get what we're driving at. Here, Valentine, you take this. Huh? Hello? Brooksy. Well, who else would you call this number? Where are you, darling? What's this about? Uh, skip it, Angel. I'll talk to you later. You get what I mean? George, where are you? Uh, I, uh, careful what you say? Uh, just wanted to tell you not to worry if I'm away a couple of days on this job. I know I can leave everything to you, Brooksy. Well, of course That's you can. That's all I can tell you right now, Angel. So long. All right, Raymond. You're not so good at translating. Just what does Gorman do? Hurry, make him let me go. Hey, well, you got no choice. Let go of him, Valentine. Uh, you see, Valentine, Miss Brooks is our insurance that you do just like Ed's. Like I say, now go on, Raymond, tell him. Miss Brooks, you've heard of hardened criminals, haven't you? Yes, Lieutenant Riley, but what does this have to do with George? Well, I'm a hardened cop. I only deal in facts. Well, I've been giving you facts. I know, I know. You didn't like the way Valentine sounded on the phone. He called the office and seemed so surprised when I answered the phone. What so what? Sometimes I forget what number I'm calling. Well, he sounded so strange when he said that was all he could tell me, and then he hung up. Oh, look, look. Are you sure it isn't this business about a beautiful dame that's getting you so excited? Oh, don't be ridiculous. I know, George. So does Mrs. Riley know me, but even she has her doubts sometimes. Can't you see I'm serious? I even went to the hotel. There was no J.C. Collins ever registered at the Somerset. Who sent George that letter? And now look, Miss Brooks, I keep fighting back the impulse, but I like that guy of yours. Me too. Well, still, I'm a public servant, and I can't go flouncing around after him every time he gets himself into trouble. Well, I'm going to do some flouncing around, Lieutenant. That I know, and I can expect the worst. Well, Lieutenant, if that's all you have to say, I... Uh, just a minute, just a minute. Yes? If Valentine is really in some kind of trouble, I'll leave word here where you can reach me day or night. Mr. Valentine? Yeah. Gus, the piano player, told me you wanted to see me. That's right, Miss Parker. Won't you sit down? Gus said you were one of my greatest admirers. We're singing, no doubt. Singing? Well, that never occurred to me. <laughs> That's a new approach. I think I will sit down. Well, Mr. Valentine, it isn't my singing. Just what is it about me that you admire so much? Oh, don't you know? Yeah. I've known since I was 14. And you're one of the few women who'll be hearing that when you're 40. Is that supposed to be so good? <laughs> May I order you something? I'm happy the way I am. What do you want? 
Oh, I'm just a lonely guy feeling sorry for myself in a strange town. Same line, but I can't say I've heard it read any better. What are you doing after your last show? Going home and rinse out a few things. I'll be waiting for you in the parking lot when you're through. You can grow an awful long beard waiting for somebody who isn't going to show up. Often wondered how I'd look with a beard. Listen, mister, and listen carefully. Hmm? Why don't you be good to yourself and go home? And hate myself for the rest of my days? All right. I know I look like something in a pastry window I shop to you. I that way. That's very good. Believe me, I'm poisoned. And it won't do a thing for my ego if you hang around and prove I'm right. Now stay away from me. See you later, Lena. You'll recognize me by my beard. I'm afraid you picked yourself the wrong boy, gentlemen. The fair Lila seems particularly allergic to me. What? What do you say, Raymond? Uh, they don't get along together, honey. Uh, don't give me that, Valentine. You're a pretty good-looking guy, and Lila, she isn't used to being lonely. Just keep trying, Valentine. The sooner Frank Granby finds out you have designs on Lila, the sooner this unpleasant little job will be over. Well, uh, I, I do have a sort of one-sided date to meet her here later in the parking lot. <laughs> see, Raymond, he's doing okay. But don't try to play cute, Valentine. There'll be somebody watching you every minute. They'll be... Tell him what I mean, Raymond. I think he knows what you mean. Coleman, as you've said several times, I don't have any choice. I have to play the game your way because you have all the cards. Yeah, that makes sense. But look, if anything happens to Miss Brooks, you better make sure I'm dead first. Because I'm going to be out looking for you. You didn't think I was going to be here, Lila. How much do you want to bet? Oh, let's say an old Dick Tracy button. Move over. How'd you know this was my car? The parking lot attendant said this pink convertible dreamboat belonged to you. Oh. Where do we go from here? Oh, you're only hitchhiking, mister. You've got to take your chances. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But I can give you this much of a hint before we start. Well, that's a... Uh... That's a pretty good start any man's language, Lila. But why the sudden change of heart? Suppose we say I'm curious about a man who's so willing to take poison. Hey, look, maybe I'm only a hitchhiker, Lila, but you're going over 75 now. I'll be doing faster than that if you don't answer my question. Well, how do you know anybody hired me to make a play for you? All right, it won't be any loss if we both go off the road. Now, wait a minute. Take it easy, Lila. Was it Gorman? Why don't you answer? What are you talking about? You don't have to answer. So it is Gorman. Now I know. Lila! be just fine. Yeah, what's that supposed to mean? Exactly where are we, George? Across the road from a gas station you almost didn't miss. I mean, exactly where does this whole mess leave us? Why don't you tell me? All right. You and I are going to make sure Frank thinks he's got everything to be jealous of. Hey, aren't you supposed to be in love with a man? Gorman wants to make Frank show himself so he can kill him. I want to know where Frank is so I can save him. What? I know what happened the other night. He's somewhere hurt. Wounded, maybe dying. Oh, great. That gives me a very cozy feeling. Like walking around with a target on my back and another one on the front. Who's going to get me first, Frank or Gorman? There's a risk in everything. 
to gamble whether you live or not the moment you're born. Well, before you get too philosophical, Ella, maybe I can sneak in a phone call from the station. But it's closed. There might be a booth in the back. Maybe there's a way to get both of us out of this jam. What makes you such an optimist, George? Let me have police headquarters. Lieutenant Riley in homicide. Uh-huh, that's right. Yeah, I'll wait. Oh, sorry. Look, Mr. You Better to... hang up, Valentine. I think you've got the wrong number. Well, I'm glad you know how to take advice. You make it very easy, Raymond. You insist on pointing a gun at people. Come on out, Valentine. Oh, just wouldn't be an act without you, eh, Gorman? You're too smart, Valentine. You're too... Tell him what I mean, Raymond. You <laughs> and to think words were unnecessary. Oh. <laughs> That's right, Raymond. Work him over, but don't let it show. We have to keep him nice and pretty for Miss Parker. We'll return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Meanwhile, here are some interesting figures. Did you know that the Navy calls its five-inch gun the workhorse of the Navy? And that this gun has to be relined after firing about 2,000 times? But that's nothing compared to the work done by spark plugs in your car. They have to fire more than a million times in every 1,000 miles. And if you've driven 10,000 miles, those spark plugs have fired 15 million times in white-hot temperatures. Dirty, cracked, or chipped plugs are often the cause of hard starting, lagging in traffic, waste of gasoline and power. So if your car has gone 10,000 miles without a new set of spark plugs, better ask for a set of Atlas Champions tomorrow. The accurate timing and full flashing sparking of quality Atlas Champions repay their cost many times over in superior car performance. Ask for them at an independent Chevron gas station or a standard station where they say, and mean, we'll take better care of your car. And now back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine, and here's the situation. You're promised a fat fee to romance a beautiful nightclub singer named Lila. Very pleasant assignment, if you didn't find out that Lila is a decoy in a gun-happy feud between two racketeers. Yes, and that their insurance against you making a single wrong move is the girl you happen to love. That's why, like George Valentine, you pick your words carefully now as you talk to Lila. You know we're being watched, don't you, Lila? That character over at the bar makes it pretty obvious. What do you say we give him his money's worth? You're supposed to find me very fascinating. I'm doing all right. In a quiet sort of way. At least he thinks so. Hmm. Frank ever saw me look at another man like this. Drive him crazy. Yeah, I, uh... I see what you mean. If he ever saw me light a cigarette like this. Take the first pop and give it to you to smoke like this. What the... That would be murder, darling. How are we doing? I don't know. But I can see how you can lose an awful lot of ground this way. <laughs> you still haven't told me why you're working for Gorman. Before you answer, try to look romantic. It's expected of us. I'm in this thing for love's sweet sake, Lila, just like you are. 
So what do you say we leave it that way? George, I've got to find out where Frank is so I can help him. Gorman wants Frank to come out, too, only he wants to kill him. Have you got an answer? No, not much of a one. But it may be worth playing. Well, why don't you, then? All right, here we go. Oh! Oh! <laughs> that was very clumsy of me, Lila. I'm awfully sorry. Oh, waiter. It's nothing, George. Just a little water. Yes, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Will you take care of this, please, waiter? Of course, right away. It'll only take a minute. Well, you shouldn't dismiss a minute like that, friend. It's 60 seconds long. You can get a lot done in that time. Are you sure Mr. Valentine isn't in his apartment? Oh, I see. And you haven't heard from him since yesterday? No. No, this is Miss Brooks. I'll phone back later. I'm getting nowhere fast. Maybe there's a J.C. Collins in the city directory. Hi, Miss Brooks. Oh, hi. Thought I'd drop in and see what's wrong with Mr. Valentine. Was that Leo? Have you seen George? When? This morning. He bought a paper for me, like always. You mean he was right outside the building and never came upstairs? Oh, I was with some big tough guy who was watching him every minute. Oh. Well, did Mr. Valentine say anything to you, Leo? Nah. Just took a paper and give me this instead of a nickel. He ain't getting absent-minded or something, is he? Here, let me see that. He started to say something to him, but he gave me a look that froze me up tight. So I figured I'd come up and talk to you. Oh, Leo, you're a few months ahead of time, but you're a real Santa Claus. Huh? I am? You don't know what a wonderful present you brought me. Uh, I did? The first real clue I've got. You sure you're feeling okay, Miss Brooks? That's nothing but a union button. Every waiter wears one in every restaurant. Lieutenant, I told you I was going to do some flouncing around. I know, and you did. Now, what's this about the waiter's button? I checked with the union. It was issued to Mike Spiegel, who works at the Glass Hat. He reported it lost this morning. I see. And you're sure Valentine slipped it to the newsy for a reason? A good reason. Lieutenant, did you know that Hotel Somerset is owned by Ernie Gorman? Oh, so what? Even a thug like Gorman can own real estate as long as he pays his taxes? Then Gorman could have told the clerk to say there was no J.C. Collins registered there. Yeah, I suppose so. In the letter George got, there was, there was much to do about a beautiful dame. Well, there's a beautiful dame named Lila Parker singing at the Glass Hat. Oh, there's a lot of beautiful dames singing in a lot of nightclubs. But Lila happens to be the girlfriend of Frank Branby, who in turn happens to be Ernie Gorman's biggest rival in this town. Say, that's a thought, Miss Brooks. It sort of interests me. In fact, uh, uh, I like it. Uh, uh, say, where's that waiter's button? Where are you going, Lieutenant? Well, now, now it's my turn to do some flouncing around. I hope you don't find this routine. I mean, sitting here with me. Too boring, George. Somehow, Lila, I have a feeling that tonight isn't going to be boring at all. I think I'd like my coffee now. It's almost time for me to do my number. Sure, sure. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Huh? Oh, uh, you must be new. Uh, yes, sir. I'm taking Spiegel's place. Just for tonight, sir. Uh, that coffee, George. Oh, well, no, not not just plain coffee. Not tonight, Lila. No? No, no, something more lavish than that. Uh, Cafe Valentino. Huh? Uh, do you think you'll be able to remember this way to... I'll do the best I can, sir. Oh, now, look, it'll take some mocha, a dash of ginger, a touch of Tabasco, a few drops of Benedictine. 
Oh, yes, and of course we uh, have look, to have... Look, sir, look, uh, would you mind writing it down here on the pad so they get it uh, just right back in the kitchen? Oh, certainly, certainly. It's really not as complicated as it sounds. Well, I just wanted to make sure we understood each other, sir. Oh, I don't think there'll be any question about that. Huh. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I'll be right back. <laughs> you certainly go all out to get what you want, don't you? Well, some things are worth a little extra effort, Lila. I see Gorman has a new boy watching us tonight. Yeah, well, that's good. Nothing like variety when every time you turn, there's a gunsel on your tail. George, why doesn't Frank make a move? He must know about us by now. I don't know, Lila. We've been sitting here for three nights now. Word must have gotten back to him about us. I don't think I can stand this much longer. Lila, we have company. Oh, yes. I uh, hope this is right, sir. They said they did the best they could. Fine, fine. And I'll take the check. Yes, sir. Oh, there goes Gus with my number. It's a wonderful treat. We'll have to wait, George. Oh, it'll be here, Lila. Now, let's see what the Cafe Valentino made the check look like. Don't worry about Miss Brooks. You stick with Gorman and Granby. We'll be behind you all the time. Riley. We're sorry to drag you out of the glass hat the way we did, uh, Don Valentine, aren't we, Raymond? Personally, I'm filled with remorse. Oh, yeah, I can just see the tears in your baby blue eyes, Raymond. I don't like taking you out of the company of a beautiful dame, but the time has come. It's here. Uh, uh, tell what I mean, Raymond. Granby's going to stop hiding tonight. He's coming out. How do you know? We caught up with one of his boys after a little persuasion. <laughs> yeah, it's good persuasion. Uh, he told us. Granby knows what a Casanova Lily thinks you are, Valentine. So he can't hold out anymore, and he's going to pay her a little visit after she gets through singing at the Glass Hat. They're going away together. And that's when you're going to get your chance at him, huh? Congratulations. Well, what do you say, Raymond? Just being sarcastic again. Oh, is that what you call it? Anyway, you're not true yet, Valentine. Surprise. I didn't think I was. You see that Lila goes right home after the club. Then you meet me across the street. I'd like us to be together to see how this thing winds up. You're so good to me. Oh, Ernie. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, shall I bring Langley in now? Yeah, yeah, but you talk to him. I don't want to know nothing what happens except that it's done right. See you later, Valentine. I'll be downstairs at the barber's, Raymond. Well, you got a very sensitive boss. He does all right. Langley, come in here. It's about time. Got me flying from Detroit. How long am I supposed to wait? Not long now. You, Gorman? No. You're going to deal with me. Who's that guy? Oh, I'm just sitting here passing the time of day. Now, if you listen carefully, Langley, you can be back in Detroit tomorrow morning. What do I do? Somebody getting the complete treatment? The full course. Mm. Now, you park your car in the 800 block on Sierra Avenue. Yeah. Sometime after midnight, a pink convertible is going to pass you. You can't miss it. It's a big custom job. Mm. I don't have to tell you what to do then. Hey, Raymond, wait a minute. You can't... What about Lila? Now who's being sensitive? Are you sure Lila's up there? Why don't you ask your boys, Gorman? They followed us here from the glass hat. I want to be sure. That's why I parked down the street and come over here. Well, you can see the light in the window. And you can't mistake that pink convertible of hers across the street. Yeah, that's right. You know, Gorman, I have a hunch. Granby got in touch with Lila at the club tonight and told her he'd be in the apartment. Huh? 
What makes you think that? Oh, when we got back here, she was in such a hurry to get upstairs, she jumped out and left the keys in her car. Yeah? And all the boys got to do now is wait. We'll stay right here in this doorway. You're the boss. Look what goes here, Valentine. I don't like the way you're acting. What are you cooking up? My, my, what a suspicious nature. I just know when I'm licked, that's all. Say, what happened to Raymond? You got something else to do. My usual stay out of things like this, but green bee. And this I gotta see for myself. Wait a minute. What? The light just went out up there. He must be coming downstairs. You stay here, Valentine. I'm gonna get a little closer. I wanna see him better when he comes out with it. Stop it! Don't be a fool! Go on, Gordon! Try to run! Where are you going to hide in empty streets? Oh, please, Lila, don't! Let me talk this over with Frank! Frank's up here, but he just died! Go on! Let me see you run, Gordon! The car! That's right, the car! Uh, wait, Thomas! Stay out of that car! Don't you see she's trying to kill me? Come on! First time I ever saw a hearse painted pink and the corpse behind the wheel. Valentine, when you called that car a pink hearse, you weren't far wrong. I just had a good look at Gorman down at the morgue. Yeah, well, as you know, Lieutenant, I tried to stop him. Lieutenant, I thought you had men planted all around that street. I did, but they weren't fast enough to keep Langley from killing the man who hired him. Anyway, he and Raymond are going to be out of circulation for a long, long time. What about Lila? Well, what do you want me to do, Valentine? Arrest a woman because she's a bad shot? (laughs) Let the D.A. decide what he wants to do. Well, that's that, Brooksy. Oh, uh, Lieutenant, would you join us in some Cafe Valentino? Why, you... Say, say, I've been meaning to ask you. What kind of a concoction is that? Oh, just a little thing I dreamed up, Lieutenant. But I'd sure hate to drink it. You can bet a successful contractor knows profit and loss just as well as a banker, a baker, or yourself. J.R. Armstrong, contractor in Oakland, California, keeps a sharp eye on costs when it comes to car operation. That's why he switched to RPM motor oil eight years ago. Today, Mr. Armstrong says, quote, I haven't had an engine breakdown since I started using RPM in 1940, unquote. An unusual record? Well, it's no surprise to RPM users. For compounds in this premium quality motor oil actually stop rust in your car's engine, protect hot spots left bare by ordinary motor oils, prevent costly foaming and corrosion. The low-cost operation Mr. Armstrong enjoys is typical of RPM users throughout the West. Another reason they prefer RPM 2 to 1 over any other motor oil. To cut your car expenses, ask for RPM motor oil at standard stations and independent Chevron gas stations where they say, and mean, we'll take better care of your car.
Next week, when you tune our way for another adventure of George Valentine, you'll hear... There are probably darker places than this, George. I can't think of any. Yeah. We're almost up to the top floor now, Brooksy. You know, I could have sworn I heard somebody downstairs in the hall. Oh, probably just plaster falling off the ceiling. Well, I can't imagine anyone living here. Uh, just stay right behind me, Angel. Mm-hmm. Oh! adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and Standard stations throughout the West. Let George Do It stars Robert Bailey as George with Francis Robinson as Claire. Wally Mayer appears as Lieutenant Riley. Tonight's story was written by David Victor and Herbert Little Jr. and directed by Don Clark. Also heard in the cast were Louise Arthur as Lila, Ed Max as Gorman, Louis Van Ruten as Raymond, and Jack Crucian as Langley. The music is composed and conducted by Eddie Dunstetter. Your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.
With the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Box 13, care of the Star Times. I've read your advertisement asking for adventure. I think this will be it. I'm asking you to solve an impossible situation, but one that must be solved. Next Wednesday, drive out on Route 36 at exactly noon. You'll come to a five-mile speedometer check. Maintain a speed of 72 miles an hour over the distance. You will be passed by a 1938 car going 100 miles per hour. The car will sound its horn. When you hear it, pull over to the side and stop. When you hear it, pull over to the side and stop. The letter had no signature, but it sounded intriguing. And it became even more so as time went on. That is what little time there was. And now, back to Box 13 and Dan Holliday's newest adventure, Speed to Burn. an hour? Mr. Holliday, that's dangerous. Yes, it is, Susie. That's what makes this letter so interesting. I'd like to see a 1938 model to 100. Why? Isn't it possible? Possible, yes, but not probable. Why not? Susie, in the course of time, things wear out. Even a car has to give up sometime. Oh, the letter isn't signed. And that's another thing that tells me to take this on. An unsigned letter, a 1938 car doing 100 per, and an impossible situation that has to be solved. Now, I ask you, Susie, wouldn't that make anyone pick up his ears? At exactly noon that Wednesday, I turned into Highway 36, a long, level stretch of concrete that rimmed out in front of my car, just asking to be burned up. I looked at my speedometer. The needle hung at 60. Up ahead, I saw the first sign on the road shoulder. The sign read, Start Speedometer Check Here. I stepped on the accelerator and watched the needle pass 60 and move to 65. 68, then 70. Just as the nose of my car pushed over the start of the check run. In my rear view mirror, the road in the back was clear. No cars, no traffic at all. I hit 72 miles per hour and stayed there. The road slipped by underneath and the scenery on the side was a flashing blur of color. Then I looked in my rear view mirror again. And suddenly there it was. A car that ate up the distance between us as though we were attached by some invisible elastic that pulled us together. And then before I knew it... It was past me. I pulled up and stopped. Ahead, the car that passed me slowed down and it also stopped. Then turned around and came back toward me. Hello there. Hello. You're, you're Box 13? That's right. And you're the only jet plane pilot I know with no license. Thank you for coming. Not at all. I enjoyed every second of it. Hey, what do you feed that car of yours? 
May I get in your car? Oh, please do. Thank you. I've taken a big chance in doing this, Mr... Dan Holliday. My name is Nancy. Nancy Peters. That is a 1938 model you're driving. <laughs> and from the looks of it, it's only a six-cylinder job. Yes, but I haven't much time. I'll have to talk fast. Oh, all right, go ahead. I want you to help my brother. Is he the impossible situation you mentioned in your letter? Yes. He has a prison record. And now he's mixed up in something he can't get away from. Will you help? Oh, now, just a minute, Miss Peters. Your car may do 100 without batting a carburetor, but I work a little slower. Before I do any helping, I'd like to know the three W's. Who, what, and where. Well, I told you. It's my brother. Mm, that answers the who part. Now, how about what and where? Stolen cars. That's the what. One like yours? That has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Tom's mixed up in a stolen car syndicate. Syndicate? <laughs> it's a business now, huh? Bigger than anyone realizes. Well, why doesn't he get out? He can't. He's watched night and day. Sometimes I am, too. He didn't know what he was getting into till it was too late. All right, I'll buy that for now. But it'll take more explanation. Look, let's go somewhere else and talk. I just wanted to know if you'd be interested. Well, that car of yours intrigues me. <laughs> Where do you want to go? Follow me. If you promise not to do any stunt flying, I'll be right in back of you. More coffee, Miss Peters? No, thanks. Are you interested, Mr. Holliday? Yes. All right. The syndicate looks like a legitimate business, but it's not. It's tied up with stolen car rackets in every city in the country. In which case, it's an item for the police or better for the FBI. I suggest you go to them. I can't do that. My brother would be sent back to prison. Well, then let him quit. One man tried it. He was killed. How do you know? Tom told me. Mr. Holliday, I don't know who's at the head of the syndicate. I don't know anything about it, but you can find out and help Tom. And how do I do this? Will you do it? Well, I don't know, Miss Peters. I... Tell me, how did your brother get into this racket? He's a mechanic. He started to work at the Acme filling station, and it wasn't long before he was offered a job as a mechanic in a big garage in town. Before he knew it, he was in the racket and afraid to go to the police. Did he try? Once. Then he saw he was followed. He didn't try again, not after the other man was killed. What can I do? Get a job at the Acme filling station. It was from there that Tom went to the syndicate. Now, look, Miss Peters, your brother's a mechanic. I'm not. I know just about enough to repair minor injuries. <laughs> That's all. That's enough. They need men. The syndicate's getting bigger. And you want me to increase their organization by one, namely Dan Holliday. I'll pay you $1,000 if you do. Oh, no, I don't want any money. This Acme filling station, where is it? 12902 Braddock Road. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll see what I can do, but no promises. Meanwhile, how do I get in touch with you? Oh, here. Here's my name, address, and telephone number. Okay, Miss Peters. But like I said, no promises. I'd just like to nose around first and see what trouble I can get into. I left Nancy Peters and drove back to the city, got into some old clothes and took a bus out to Braddock Road. The Acme filling station did business on a three-way corner. From what I could see, it was a good business. I watched for a while until I spotted a man I thought was the boss. I waited until business cooled off a little, then walked over to him. Hello. Do something for you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, depends on how badly you need help here. Help? You looking for a job? Yeah, guess I am. I saw you standing on the opposite corner looking over here. Thought maybe you was planning a holdup. <laughs> no, thanks. 
That's getting money the hard way. But I saw you hopping around here and figured you could use some help. I don't know. Know anything about cars? Oh, a little. Enough to do minor repairs? Uh, sure. Let me see your hands. Hold them out. Huh? Just hold them out. <laughs> you ain't done much hard work in your life, have you? Well, not recently, no. Uh-uh. Well, don't think I can use you, bub. But I need a job. Try someplace else. Uh, okay, okay. I was just asking. What's the matter? Got a phone here. I, I want to make a call. Hmm? Inside, why? I, I just want to make a call, that's all. Okay, inside, I told you. It was a hunch and I played it. The car that drove up was a police car and I pretended to be afraid of it. I waited inside until the car drove out. Then the boss came in. Make your call okay? Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. You had to make that call all of a sudden, didn't you? I, uh, I just thought of it. Oh, sure. Well, I'll see you later. Wait a minute. Sit down. What? What for? Maybe we can talk. Wait a second. What's the idea of closing the door? Mm, we can talk better. Why'd you do a fade when you saw that police car? I, uh, I didn't see any police car. <laughs> Quit kidding, bub. You saw it coming and pulled that phony call routine. You hot? Look, all I did was ask you for a job. Thanks for your time and so long. <laughs> now, take it easy. Take it easy. Sit down again. What's your name? Make it... Holiday, Dan Holiday. <laughs> that sounds phony enough. You want a job? A minute ago, you were tired about that. Now you loosen up. Why? I like to help people. Uh huh. Got a kind face. <laughs> you want a job or not? Doing what? Uh, handling the pumps, working on the grease rack, lubrication, wash rack, maybe doing some repair work now and then. How about it? Sounds like a full time job. Well, that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly what I want. I'll pick up some coveralls in the lockers out back. You start as of now. So I went to work. And I learned about cars. I rented a room near the station at night, read books on automotive repairs. And I waited. Waited for the next move, which came one morning just after I'd reported for work. Holiday. Hey, Dan. Yeah? Come inside a minute, will you? Right away. Pull the door shut. What's the trouble? No trouble at all. You know, you're getting to be a pretty good mechanic. <laughs> well, I learned fast. Uh, there's not quite enough work around here for a good mechanic. I thought maybe you'd like to make more dough. Do I get a raise? <laughs> not from me. But I can send you to somebody who needs mechanics. Needs them bad. Thanks. Who's the guy and where is he? You go to 714 South Elm to the Southern Auto Works. And here, give him this card. So, you're the guy Marty sends along, huh? That's right. He gave me this card to give you. Yeah. Okay. My name is Mike. Follow me. Sure. Kind of busy in here, aren't you? We keep going. Hey, this way. I can see why Marty says you need mechanics. Yeah, he can always use a good one. People crack up their cars or do a million things. Here, go in this door. Good luck, fella. Have a chair, Holiday. Oh, thank you. So you're a mechanic. Well, that's what Marty says. And you live at 678 Bender Avenue, and you do a lot of reading at night. <laughs> I know a lot about you, Dan. More than you think I do. Like what? Like the fact that you're a little shy of cops. I'm not afraid of them. I didn't say that. I said shy. Say like a guy who's just put in a little time would be. 
Now, don't be afraid, Dan. There's nothing to be afraid of. Look, I took the job at Marty's place because I needed it. But I don't have to be needled by you or anybody else. Maybe I did a stretch. And again, maybe I didn't. It's got nothing to do with the job. So long, Mr. Swanson. Stay right where you are. What's your idea? No idea, Dan. I'm just in need of good mechanics. Marty tells me you're pretty good. Not top-notch, but good enough. Okay, you want a job here? Doing what? Automotive repairs. What else? That's what I ask. What else? <laughs> my, my, you're suspicious. Look, you can take the job or not as you like. Pay you 75 a week on a percentage basis for anything over that in time and work. I'd look like a chump if I turned that down. That's right. So I guess you're in, huh? Like you say, Mr. Swanson, I'm in. And now back to Speed to Burn, another Box 13 adventure with Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Like I said, I was in. But in what? It looked like a legitimate business. The big garage did a roaring trade and it seemed on the level. Mike, the man who took me to Swanson's office, stuck close to me so I had no chance to snoop around. Then one day I was called into Swanson's office. Well, Dan, everything all right? As far as I know, everything's fine. Why? Got any objections to working at night? No, not at all. As long as the pay is time and a half. <laughs> it's better than that. It's double. Special job? Yeah, you might call it that. How good are you at keeping your mouth closed? Well, I'm not the talkative type. I suppose you know you've had a tail on you ever since you've worked here. No. No, I didn't know. What's the idea there? Well, you're an ex-con. I thought that was gone by the boards, forgotten. It is, it is. But it's a funny thing. I've had a check made on you. And I can't find a record of any Dan Holiday serving time any place. Got anything to say? Nothing, except maybe you looked under the wrong name. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> anyway, you've been watched, and so far you're clean. Look, Mr. Swanson, you got me in here to talk about overtime work. Then you switched to my record. What's your pitch? Come around tonight at 10 o'clock, the back way. Just suppose I say no. Mike's a big guy. Maybe he could persuade you. Oh, I see. In other words, now that I'm in, I'm really in. In what, Dan? Maybe you can answer that better than I can. Maybe I can. Be here tonight at 10, the back entrance. Mike will see that you get here. Until then, so long, Dan. Well, it was a tight spot. I couldn't tell whether Swanson knew anything or not. I hadn't made a move to contact Nancy Peters or her brother Tom. But that night, I was to be at the garage at 10 o'clock. At 9.30, Mike came to get me, and 20 minutes later took me down in an elevator, down into the cellar below the big garage. Now, what I saw made me blink my eyes. Brother, this was a racket on a big scale. <laughs> Put your eyes back in your head, Dan. You ain't seen a half of it yet. Hey, what is this? A part of the garage nobody sees but them as has business here. Take a good look. There must be 50 cars in here. Uh-huh. And all hot. Stolen? They ain't presents. If you give them an hour in here, their owners wouldn't know from a bicycle. Come on, we'll see Swanson. Come in. Okay, Dan, come on in. Mike, see that things are running all right. Sure. 
See you later, Dan. Well, how do you like it, Dan? I don't know what I'm supposed to like, but it's big. And you're in it. What if I don't want to be? Oh, and you're a chump. Big pay, no social security, or withholding tax, and no questions. Look, I don't want to serve any more time. You won't. We take care of our boys. Now, look, I need another mechanic badly. There are enough hot cars floating in here in the next two weeks to make itself a pile of dough. Yeah, but Mr. Swanson... Holiday, I... you haven't got a choice. Either take the job or you'll never work again. Any place, any time. I guess you're calling the turns, Mr. Swanson. Take it easy, you'll be safe. Until there's a leak. There's no leaks here. We're big enough to have our own police force to watch the men who work for us, understand? Yeah, I think I do. Okay, Mr. Swanson, you've got yourself another boy. And from then on, I was watched closer than all the Golden Fort Knox. It was over a week later that I finally made contact with Tom Peters. Mike took me to him because Tom was to break me in on a new job. Mike wants you to work on the jalopies, huh? Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm Tom Peters. I know you're Dan Holliday. Yeah. What do I do? Well, we got ten hot cars rolling in tonight. They got to be pulled apart for shipping out tomorrow. That's a little fast, isn't it? <laughs> that's nothing. One night we put out 18. Come here. See this paint? Yeah. Special stuff, huh? That's right. Washes off with caustic soda. Plain water won't touch it, only caustic soda. We spray a coat of this stuff on the car. And then what? What about the license plates? Huh, you kidding? Look here. Over 500 license plates from different states. With a new paint job, different plates, even different tires, you wouldn't be able to recognize your own car if you sat in it. Huh. I see. Pretty tight organization, isn't it? Brother, you don't know how tight. Make a bad move in your material for a hearse. Well, here to work on the manufacturer's numbers. Serial numbers of the motors, huh? Uh-uh. Manufacturer's numbers. Never in the same place twice. Sometimes it's in the carburetor, sometimes in the block. Any one of a dozen different places. I see. And you tear down the engine, get rid of the number, and there's no chance left for positive identification of the car. Right. Okay, start tearing this baby down. It's got to roll out on the street by midnight. Let's go to work. And I worked. And all the while I did, I knew I was being watched. And I think I was even followed when I went home. For three nights we kept at it. There wasn't a chance to break loose. Then on the fourth night, Tom Peters came over to me. Shake loose from that job, Dan. We got a special to do. Special? Okay, what is it? Look here. Hey, are you kidding? This got to be a hot car. No, it's not. What's it look like? Like a broken down model of ten years ago. Hmm. Who wants a crate like this? Uh, wait a minute. Now, take a look under that hood. Look at that power plant. Uh-huh. The engine's from a British tank. There's enough power under that hood to make this baby climb right up the side of a building. I don't get it. Why put that motor in this old job? Look underneath, at the springs. The springs are upside down. Sure, for a low center of gravity. And the body of the crate's lined with armor plate, and it's got bulletproof glass throughout. What are these things inside? Oh, extra gas tanks. Uh-huh. This is a getaway car, special built. You park this in front of a bank, and no cop would take a second look at it. But no other car made can get near it for speed or power. Now that's real, real neat. Well, it looks like the boys think of everything, don't they? Uh, they don't miss. You know, I'll bet anyone could take a 1938 car and hop it up with one of these motors. Sure, why not? You don't make no difference. Even a girl could drive one. Sure, why? One her brother put together for her before he got into this racket. Girl? 1938? What'd you say that for? Take it easy, Tom. What are you driving at? 
Nancy, your sister? What about her? She got me in here to get you out. Oh, look, she's crazy. You're crazy. This is a tight box. You want to get out? Cut it out, Dan. You're asking for trouble. Look, together we can break this right Look, there's not a chance. I... Hold it. Here comes Mike. Hey, what are you guys gabbing for? Just looking over this job, Mike. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, get it in shape. Some of the boys want it for a heist job tonight. You've got an hour to work it over. Heist job? Yeah. They're knocking over a bank. Mm. Okay, help me, Tom, and I'll help you when we get out of this. Listen, don't you think I'd have made a break before now? They got me going and coming. Then I'll do it. They're watching you every minute. That's the chance I have to take. Where's your lunch pail? Lunch pail? Have you gone nuts? Just give it to me. You, uh, you drink coffee, don't you? Sure. With cream and sugar. You happy now? Tom, that makes me very happy. Later that night, when I was through working, I left the garage. I tried to phone Nancy Peters three times, but she was out. The last time, I left a message for her to meet me in the lobby of a movie. I went there hoping I'd shaken my shadow off my trail. Fortunately, she got my message. And I told her to call the FBI to give them the address of the garage, 714 South Elm, and to make it fast because there was no time to lose. Then I walked out of the lobby and into the street. I looked back. Nancy Peters was going toward a phone booth in the theater lobby. I was about to walk to my room when... Enjoy the picture, Holiday. Mike. Yeah, Mike. Funny about you. You bought a ticket, walked in, talked with that dame, came right out again. I uh, remember I'd seen the movie before. Sure. Who was the dame? What are you talking about? The dame. Who was she? What did you say to her? Look, Mike, that's my personal business. Then it's mine, too. She went to a phone booth inside. Can I help it if some girl wants to use a phone? Yeah, I figure you can. Now, come on. We're going to Swanson. All right, Dan, who was the girl? What'd you say? I never saw her before in my life. Just a chance acquaintance, huh? You could call it that. You're lying. All right, you know everything. Not quite, but I... Wait a minute. Suppose your name is Dan Holliday. Suppose it is. I got an idea. Sit still while I look through the phone book. Funny I never thought of this before. Let's see. Holly, Holiday. Holiday, Dan. Well, you're in the phone book. There's only one Dan Holiday. That makes me unique among the holidays. What does it make you? Not a sucker, Holiday. Sit still, make a move, and I'll make a nice round hole in your head with this. Now we'll see. Dan Holiday, please. Mr. Holiday isn't in. Oh? Is he out of town, do you know? Who's calling, please? An old friend, Mr. Swanson. Oh, well, Mr. Swanson, Mr. Holiday's been gone for almost two weeks. Is that so? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You've been gone two weeks, Holiday. It just about ties in with the time you've been here. Okay, Swanson, so I'm in the phone book and you found out I'm not at my apartment. What does that prove? That's what I'm going to find out. And if I... Boss, there's a raid coming our way. The tip-off boys just flashed the wrench. All right, move the hot cars out back. Get all you can. Notify all branches we're shipping a load tonight. Tell the drivers to take the ones that aren't ready and run them in the river. Right. Holiday, you're going with me. Get going. Did that, that dirty thing do the job? Yeah, come on. Getaway car in shape? Yeah, it's all set. Now, Holiday, you're going to see why we're never caught. What's wrong, Mr. Swanson? We have a stoolie with us, Peters. Stoolie? But... He... That's right, Peters. A stoolie. Clear out. There's a raid coming. Mike, warm up the car. Sure. Nothing to worry about. In, Holiday, get in. Okay, you're the boss. Let's go, Mike, up the ramp. Right. 
<laughs> Play with him, Mike. Let Holiday see how good we really are. You heard me. And I'm almost catch up to us. And Holiday don't duck when you hear shooting. They can't touch us in this. Besides, I want to save you for myself. They're right on our taillight, boss. Uh-huh. <laughs> they might as well be using pea shooters. Oh, show them what we can do, Mike. Get away. Yeah. Holiday, they're almost standing still. Okay, Mike, head for the state line. Hey, hey something's gone haywire. What's the matter? You said this car was in shape. Yeah, it was. Get going, get going, you idiot. I can't get me the engine's going dead. Run on the curb, we'll make a run for it. Pull in, Mike, pull in. Oh, no, you don't. Hey, Mike, help me. You dirty rat, you. Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey everybody, listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Subliminal SF brings
brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> well, hello, boys and girls. You know what a password is. That's a secret word that soldiers would use to get past the sentry and up to the front. Well, here's a password that gets you up to the front in all the right places. It's cannabis energy. It seems the faster you go, the more cannabis energy you need. So if you want to win, you have to have lots of cannabis energy. And the swellest way I know to get it is just by using Green Army Skincare. Boy, they're just crammed full of cannabis energy. There are more cannabis energy units in one lip balm tube than you use circling the base ten times or when you ride your bike four miles across the city. And it's fast acting. Why, no sooner that you apply some balm to your mouth or pain areas, you practically feel the new strength in your muscles. And what's more, Green Army Skincare is a good, wholesome product. They're made with body-nourishing cannabis and other natural ingredients. So go out there today and pick up some Green Army Skincare products from your local cannabis procurement center. Join thegreenarmy.com. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to invite you down to Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco at 806 South Van Ness. Uh, we've got great food by our kitchen counter offer, burgers, tater tots, tachos, corn dogs, all sorts of good stuff like that. They're open from opening until 11 p.m. most days of the week, except Saturday. 
uh, every Saturday night. We've got live rock and roll, some of the best local bands in San Francisco and touring acts as well. Come on down, 10 p.m., rock and roll, only night of the week. We have a $5 cover charge, always 5 bucks for live rock and roll. We're open from 4 p.m. until 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 2 to 2. Come on down, have some drinks with us. We've got Whiskey Wednesday, Tequila Tuesday, and we've always got the Steve McQueen special. Shot a bullet bourbon and a can of California lager for 8 bucks. Come down and enjoy our patio. It's open in the afternoon, not really in the evening, but a lot of good folks hanging out back there. Come on down, give us a shot. Drop by the bar, make some friends. Thanks, folks. Bender's Bar and Grill in the heart of the Mission District, San Francisco, California. With a happy hour every Monday through Friday until 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Go to Bender's Bar. Big supporter of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2018. Oh, yeah. It goes down. Come smoke with your boy. Spark is San Francisco's premier cannabis dispensary with a focus on serving and educating patients for seven years. Spark is dedicated to creating the best in-store experience with its extensive menu, friendly staff, and one of the few cannabis vape lounges in San Francisco. Spark welcomes you to visit its two great locations as a medical patient or for recreational adult use in 2018. Spark is located at 1256 Mission Street between 8th and 9th and at 473 Haight Street at Fillmore. Both locations are open until 10 p.m. every night. Spark staff looks forward to serving you. Rainbow Grocery, a worker-owned and operated food cooperative located at 1745 Folsom Street in the Mission District of San Francisco. Let's hear what locals have to say about Rainbow Grocery. Their bulk section is dope AF.